So today, let's start off with introducing our first guest. Our first guest, as many of you saw on the flyer, is Lieutenant Colonel Jorge Torres. Uh, I call him George. George and I go way back. We were friends all the way back in uh, at Forest Lake Academy there in Orlando. Uh, he is now the chaplain or a chaplain for the eight. 18th Airborne Corps uh, as part of the U.S. Army, and we are just so excited to have him. Uh, can I switch the screen now, guys? Can I bring him on? Then bring him on. I'm going to bring him on. I'm going to bring him on, and everybody's going to see what we're waiting on, but that's all right. We are just so excited <laughs> to have. There he is. Um, George, good morning, good afternoon, rather happy Sabbath to you, my friend. Um, I see Gaston Pierre in the chat saying FLA. He's, I guess, a first Laker <laughs> there. Good to have uh, Gaston on as well. But George, well, listen, man, we, yeah, go ahead. The next guest, um, he is, is my friend. He's all of our friends here. We are colleagues together in ministry. Uh, he pastors the Grace Community Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. And that is none other than Dr. Um, Myron Edmonds. Edmund. And I know that um, the Lord has been, you know, blessing his ministry um, on on social media, his preaching ministry. Just a wonderful guy to know, along with my friend here, Chaplain George. So we're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good time. <laughs> Absolutely. So, George, man, um, we're going to give you 37.9 seconds. Um, just talk to us right quick. Give us maybe a little bit of a window into who George is and to what George does. 39.7 seconds. Go. All yours. Man, that's as much time as I need to fly or drop from the drop zone when I, when I do a jump. Uh, but that's great. It's great to be out here. Um, and I actually want to give a shout out to my son who's actually stationed at, in Germany. And so he's in Wiesbaden, Germany, but he is connecting with us. So, Gabriel, thank you for coming out um, and hearing uh, the craziness what happened with Gen Xers. But it's an awesome privilege to be here. Um, and I look forward to, to being able to speak uh, intelligently on, on this subject of Gen Xers as we're all in. Gabe, we got to hook up after this, man. I got some stories to tell you about your dad when he was in high school. We'll, 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 we'll hook up. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Glad to have you, sir. So so listen, Dr. Edmonds, we have we have given our guests. We always when they come on, we give them this season a good thirty five point seven seconds. I make up a number every time I say it um, just to give anybody, everybody, anything, a little shout out that you want to do. Let's help the audience just get to to know you a little bit more. You got thirty nine point eight seconds seconds to say whatever you want to say right now <laughs> is that 39 prophetic seconds or just uh 30 <laughs> we go call anyway pre hey, seconds <laughs> <laughs> hey no this is glad, glad to be here i'm here in cleveland ohio been here for 11 years and uh will be 11 years uh going into my 11th year uh pastoring the grace community church having a great time I'm also now an Air Force chaplain. What? Uh, what? Uh, that's right, Lieutenant uh, Cortez. <laughs> Torres. Hey, hey Torres. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm in. I'm in, Torres. I'm in, man. <laughs> so uh, just a lot of change, a lot of growth. Uh, 2020 has been quite a year for all of us, uh, but yeah. really, man, just committed to growing and trying to be the best I possibly can. Glad to be here with you guys, all y'all, my friends in some uh, form or fashion seminary. Uh, uh, in many ways, I grew up with Roger Wade. There's a story behind that. <laughs> Even though he's older than me, we kind of grew up together. <laughs> 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 well, 
As a everybody else, man. Good to be here, though. Yeah, glad to have you. All right, listen, guys. Let's get on into this because you know our time always fleets us when we when we st- when we get to the end. We're like, no, no, no. So let's jump right in, Doc Henry. You want to get us started? Let's do it. Let's do it. Generation X. Hey, you see this big smile on my face? Generation X, man. We're here. We're here on the show. <laughs> listen, um, Generation X. I mean, in this generation, so many things happen. Uh, we were dubbed the MTV generation. You know, mm. one person said mm-hmm. that. Um, we we are we are children, as I said earlier, of the silent generation. So we were we are children of the generation that demanded respect. Okay, we are we are uh, we have children who are uh, well, Gen Zers. I mean, I want to say Gen Zers. We have children who are Gen Zers, and so we are in this weird space here. Okay, so some people even said that. Listen, it is this generation that set the standard on all generations. Now, again, you know, just uh, disagree with the research, okay? Don't I like it. Let's with go me. with it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Um, do you sense the impact of our generation? And there's a follow-up question to this. Has Gen Xers impacted the mission of the church? So again, do you sense the impact of our generation? As you look at the church, as you look at society, do you sense the impact of our generation? And has our generation, how has our generation impacted the mission hmm. of the church? Wow. Anyone could take it first. I think we, we have impacted the mission of our church. When I think back of all uh, some of the great leaders that we do have in our churches today, i.e. all of you that are here <laughs> um, and others, um, we, we are impacting the church in a very positive way. Um, for those of us that are in leadership positions, uh, being able to impact the church, um, I think we've, we've thought of new ways of imp- impacting the church. Because as we remember Gen Xers, we we're kind of dubbed the generation against institutions. So it's been difficult for us as Gen Xers to just um, look back at the past and not want change. Um, We've Mm. gone against institutions that say, we need to have change. We can't keep doing things as we've been doing in the past uh, without having the same results. Uh, So so I think we are doing change, but I, I do believe that that there is room to grow and and to have more change uh, being done, not only with our generation, but those younger generations that are uh, in front of us now. Okay. Pastor, Pastor, uh, Dr. Edmonds, what do you think about our generation? Um, Yeah, no, I think our generation is um, sort of the overlooked and forgotten generation, at least in modern uh, discussions. However, I think our generation had to had to experience uh, quite a bit of change. And I, I do see that we are pushing for change. I don't I, you know, I struggle with wondering um, just how revolutionary our generation is. Um, <laughs> however, I, what I am seeing now in the church and I think what's often overlooked because of millennials, there's, I think there's just been a hyper focus on on millennials uh, to almost the chagrin of of Generation Z. Uh, Generation Z is actually in the workforce now, mm-hmm. and and we're still talking about millennials. Uh, Generation X, however, as as was said, our parents, and uh, I think we've missed that. I think there's a whole generation, at least of my friends, of Generation Xers that have left the church. 
Um, um, but we're also seeing right now in leadership across the church, uh, many Gen Xers. And I think the assumption is, is that a lot of these folks are boomers. But again, I think that just goes to fit the narrative that um, Generation Xers, I think, are just almost overlooked, forgotten about, not recognized. And I kind of got a little bit of attitude about that, man. We're here. We're here. We're, we're making a difference and we're in positions of leadership in the church. Uh, and many, in many respects, we're leading our churches in uh, various aspects of ministry and even in society as well. Um, and I, I won't I won't call out names like Mark Zuckerberger and uh, just about anybody who's doing something, uh, that, uh, you know, is is a Gen Xer right now. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. So, listen, we got some questions in the chat here. Um, uh, Joe Joseph was asking. Let me find that again. Um, we want the period, the period. What's the what's the age group? We've said Gen X, but we haven't defined it. When we talk about Gen X, what's the definition? What's what's the parameters um, age wise of the Gen X? Well, it was pla- it was placed it's placed in our chat on the YouTube side. Um, okay. that 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 is between sixty six and seventy six. Um, some some say eighty eight, eighty five, eighty five. Again, this shows you how fluid it is. Yeah, yeah. I think somebody somebody on one of our previous shows, I think that was Kirk, brought up that there is even a that in between. It's called Xennials. <laughs> Um, in between right. um, Gen Xers listen, and, and millennials, yeah. And listen, listen in the chat, somebody said uh, Jennifer Sharon. Oh, my my friend. She said you were trained well, even with the spankings. Spankings. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we love you for implementing change. <laughs> um, I think we were parented differently. What do you think we were parented differently, Generation X yes. compared to millennials? Yeah. How, how so? Yeah. I mean, it, I'm just it, thinking about my own experience. Go ahead. So for me, I, um, I come from a, a big family, 11 in our family. I'm second to last. Uh, so you can imagine my, my dad is 92 now. Uh, so okay. older generation. And he comes up from a humongous family. He came from a 29 uh, mm. you know, wow. family. Wow. Um, so uh, the way he was taught, you know, was kind of like what you guys were saying, right? You got, you got the beat down, right? And, and <laughs> so that being said, um, and, and it was it was that type of, of generation where it was a silent, you know, you when you went to a house, my dad used to say, if they ask you to eat, say that you've already eaten, even though you haven't, if they ask you, you know, so so all those things were like, and if they if they ask you to go somewhere, just stay here, don't go anywhere. So so there was a notion of of respect. Um, you yeah. couldn't you couldn't talk um, when when the adults were talking, there was not a notion of of talking. And so. I think with Gen Xers, we kind of went the other way because uh, once I had kids, um, I, I was very adamant of saying I love you all the time. Where in my in my household, my dad never mentioned that a lot. Um, I, I had to then understand and and try to come up with a different paradigm of parenting. I wasn't going to beat my kid in order to to get what needed to to happen. And I know Gabriel's here. And so the only time that I laid hands on Gabriel, and he can attest to this, was one day when I actually went into the room and I saw him with my daughter in a headlock. Uh, with our, you know, and so when I saw that, I picked him up and I put him against the wall and I, and I shocked him because I, I, I never laid my hands on him. And then I brought him down. I said, have you ever seen me lay hands on your mother? And he said, no, wow. no, sir, with his eyes really big. And then I said, well, don't you ever, ever lay your hands on your sister? Because then I'm going to lay hands on you as man to man. 
And wow. so he learned that. And of course, from there on, uh, that never happened. Uh, but I, I think we were more, um, and I say we as a Gen Xer, more intentional on learning how to discipline better in a sense than what we mm -hmm. got. Um, and, and, and speaking of, you know, Gen Xers leaving the church, I think a lot, um, some of them upon having children are looking for ways now to connect with the church back again. Um, the oh. issue is that when they, when they come back, if they see the same thing that they saw before they left and there is no change to the structure or platforms or anything, then it, they're going to find it difficult to connect again. And so that's my observation when it comes to those that have left and are returning back. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Uh, Dr. Edmonds, what do you think? Um, the parenting that you experienced uh, when you were young. And the parenting that we do now, what's the difference? I mean, is there a big difference? Man, we might have to. Gen Xers were parenting. We, we might have to block some parents from watching this. <laughs> 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 oh, we got some more. <laughs> uh, man, listen, I, you know, it's funny. We, uh, we hang with a couple, and they're millennials. And um, my wife and I, we just noticed that there's a stark difference between the way that we raised our children. And the way that they raise their children. Um, and I would definitely say we probably lean more on the side. That's Generation X, at least the way me and my wife are raising our child. Definitely on the side of old school compared to uh, the generation now. Uh, there's obviously a lot more reasoning, a lot more discussion, a lot more use of uh, psychology. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it's kind of unnerving. And I will say this, you know, I know we're speaking specifically about parenting. But I do feel that uh, Generation X possesses some of a balance of sort of the forward thinking of science and the forward thinking of, of psychology and research. Uh, but we also hold on to a lot of tradition as well. And I know at some point okay. we'll talk about the church, but Gen Xers are quite traditional. And I think um, that oftentimes is, uh, is not seen as, as a reality amongst us. And there's often a clash with Gen Xers with millennials, I hear Gen Xers all the time bad mouthing millennials, which I don't think is obviously a good thing. But you can see a clash in values between the two generations, even though they're they're, they're so close to each other. Yeah. Hey, Myron. It's, 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 Myron. Um, as we, Myron, your mom is on. I just just give you a heads up. Your mom's your mom's is in. <laughs> hey, 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 listen, hey. she's only on. She's only on to see Roger. She's only on. I was almost tempted to talk about my dad. He might be watching. Too. I don't even know. But uh, <laughs> we came up in that generation where you don't say I love you to your peoples. And uh, and now it's like, um, you know, it's like I'm trying to be different because I did. I did make the decision that I was going to raise my son differently. I was going to do I was going to parent differently. But not, it wasn't only parenting. I think there was a lot of things that Gen Xers decided they were not going to do. They were not going to do what their parents did or what what the generation before us did. The Boomers, and that's another show coming up because that show is going to be interesting. The Boomers um, yeah. have some very uh, new age kind of thinking that uh, that was rejected by society. But um, but 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 what characteristics distinguishes the Gen Xers? from other generations. We, we talked about parenting, but there were, there were a lot of things happening with Gen Xers. Uh, latchkey kids, um, uh, single, parents, uh, be, single parent homes became the norm. What are some of the characteristics that you see among our peers as Gen Xers? So for me, I, I would say the one, one of the biggest things uh, was the 
the beginning of, of the use of technology. Um, I remember mm -hmm. getting my first computer and it was a Commodore VIG 20. Mm, and that's wow. 20K. <laughs> wow. it, I mean, it, it wasn't even a, <laughs> a megabyte. And then I was so excited because 64 KB came by and I was like, yeah, let me get a Commodore 64. And so we grew up in a, in a generation where we actually saw technology progress uh, from DOS basic to yes. then Windows to then, you know, what we have now, the web. I mean, the web started with us. Um, and so seeing all the transition and how, how we actually technologically grew um, TV shows, uh, Friends was very popular in our generation. It started changing the way we viewed family and um, because friends, it, didn't, it, it was not no longer the nuclear family. Uh, so pluralism was also um, grew during our, our generation. Um, and then, of course, who can forget ESPN and, oh, uh, yes, and yes. CNN and 24-hour and, and TV. News that cycles, outgrew yeah. with our generation. I remember when growing up when the TV actually, you know, he had at the very end, the national anthem and it went off and then at five o'clock mm -hmm. in the morning you would hear it again and it will get get back on and mr uh uh kangaroo george. would be our uh captain kangaroo come on and, my and goodness george, george, kangaroo. How, how old are you again george i'm i'm, I'm trying to <laughs> I'm, trying. I'm as old as you are brother <laughs> and so so but compared to the to the new generations now uh they grew up with all that and so i i think we take it for granted uh, when it comes to technology, how advanced are our, our next generations are compared to us. We grew up into that. Uh, but with that, we also see, we, we, we saw also the individualization that we have now uh, because of, of those techno technological um, and then mm -hmm. not being able to socialize as much person to person per se, uh, more what we have here today. So texting uh, came about um, and I had to learn how to text. I never knew how to text when I was growing up. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get texting. <laughs> I it took me to, a while uh, to adopt texting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to add something to just about the cultural shifts that happened. Um, I think you know. It, I think it hit me that I was getting older. Like I'm not gonna say old, but older when I started seeing <laughs> some of the styles from the '80s like circling around. My father always told me. Like you're always going to see the styles sort of coming back. And so like stuff that we grew up doing, of course, we were in the age of I think we I think we grew up in the, the golden age of hip hop. Right. Uh, with all the different shifts, the run DMCs, the LL Cool J's, you know, all the different stuff that we saw. And so now we're starting to see this shift in the new generation with the style of clothing, um, with with uh, with them redoing movies, Transformers and and all these things that we grew up with, Ghostbusters, stuff we grew up with that. We, of course, we were told when we were coming to the Adventist Church, this is spiritualism and this is all evil. You, you should you should look at these things. Of course, <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just mentioning it because I, I heard about it, not because I watched it. But anyway, um, <laughs> now we're starting, to, we're starting to see all this stuff. It's starting to come back, though, right? It's starting to come back now, and it's like, wow, we we've been living a long time. We've been, <laughs> we've been living a long. Yeah. We're starting to see sort of a refreshing of what we experienced in the '80s. But I'll say this in closing: like I think that growing up in the '80s. And growing up in the '90s, man, was just—I I don't know, man. I—I I, I thought we had we had the best of both worlds. The Walkman kind of came into being. Right. That was like a new technological yeah. games. 
such as uh, Atari, Coleco, Nintendo. Vision, come on, uh, Nintendo, Nintendo DVDs, was sort of a new period. thing, right? In the late late eighties and nineties, yeah. like this is all the stuff that we kind of we, we kind of saw the progression. Break right? dancing that uh, that gives us a perspective <laughs> that, that that maybe some of the other generations don't have. They don't appreciate the days when you had a VCR. And, and, and the tape and the tape would get caught in there. You had to go in there and take the tape out, or you had cassette tapes or or albums, <laughs> things of that nature. But anyway, hey, did, there. Any, anybody remember the cassette tapes when you wanted to record mm-hmm. on a on a cassette tape that was already recorded on? You had to put tape on those those little brackets <laughs> on the end in order I'll, to make I'll sure. Stop, you could... yeah? Wow, yeah. <laughs> and if it broke, you had to put together with uh, tape with with like uh, with cellophane polish. tape. You would put it together so you can tape it together. Yes, sir. And then you'll hear yes, like, <laughs> <All right. laughs> those days. Oh, man. You know, don't those forget, days. forget Pac-Man. One of the things that came out in the dialogue there was that there was a sense of, of a, a coming of age when it comes to technology. You know, one foot was in, in the olden age, and then all of a sudden we started to see all these new things, you know, the, the computer, uh, the, the Walkman, the, 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 the beeper, you know, the beeper was the big thing, you know, uh, cell phone, <laughs> you know, and you used to have codes for the beeper, you know, you know so, so you bid and you put the code in and you know who to call and what you were calling for. I mean, there were a lot of innovation that I saw within Gen X uh, that, that I think was different um, today, we, we see the technology, we see the stuff uh, that is just changing the way we live and we work. But back then, there was a sense of, of, of mystique when it came to the technology. And, and, right. and, you know, someone put in the chat that Generation X were, were very educated. Getting an education was key back then yeah. to the Generation yeah. X. So, so those are some te- technological things that are unique or, or identifiable connected to Gen X. One, one of the other things that is often associated with Gen X, um, many have said that Generation X is the Enron generation. So mm. um, when you think about some of the uh, Bernie Madoff generation. Um, and, and many look at Gen X and say Gen X is the cynical generation. Um, that G- Gen X is not particularly trusting. Um, they're not particularly drawn to institutions. Um, some of those things emanate from that. Um, how would you characterize, or would you say that's a true characterization? Um, has that skewed the way that Gen Xers, those kind of cultural cynicisms, are those things that do anything to skew or impact how Generation X looks at the mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church? I don't think Generation X is a monolith. You know, uh, some of the things that you're saying I've read, and I'm not sure if I totally agree. I almost feel like the closer Generation X is in age towards millennials, you see sort of this rejection of orthodoxy and institutionalism, things like that. But I also, and I'm saying this as a pastor, I've pastored some Gen Xers that are very loyal to the institution, mm-hmm. um, very um, traditional in their thinking. Um, and now I'm seeing these same Gen Xers sort of, um, um, they, they, are, they are repeating to millennials and Zers what was done to us by builders and boomers. That's a concern to me. I don't know if wow. you guys have witnessed that, but 
and, and I mean, most of my friends are, are exers, um, both either in, in the ministry or outside the ministry. Many of them are. And, 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 and I hear the same criticisms of millennials and Zers from exers that I remember growing up <laughs> from hearing from builders and boomers towards us. And so I don't know. We, we seem to be like this sort of a bridge generation. That's why I don't think all Xers are the same. Obviously, all uh, millennials are not the same and all Zers are not the same. I think there are some, some similarities, but but I, 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 I'm not sure how to label us. And I think that's been the struggle with Generation Xers. Thus, they gave us the X. It's almost like, <laughs> you know, we're just like, you know, we don't know what to call you guys. We're just Generation X. You never have figured it out. Okay. And I agree. Um, but I think that in our generation, as Generation X, we wanted to know the end state. In other words, we wanted to know why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, and yeah. and is, is, is it different? Are we doing it just for traditional purposes? Or is there an end state to it? Um, and, and so we actually started questioning. So more than just giving a for, affirmative uh, answers, we actually started doing more questioning than other past generations where Hey, you just did it because you did it. I remember going with my aunt to a church um, and and asking her questions. And she would say, shh, shh. And after the whole church service, I asked her the same question. She said, so why do we do it? And she said, uh, because of tradition. And so it was more that they would follow because of tradition rather than because they actually had a, a good answer behind it. And so, um, so that type of cynicism, I think, uh, for our generation, um, and, and it's not only in our churches, I would say around, they want to know why we do what we do um, and what's the end state. Um, and, I, and at least I see that a lot in the military. Uh, in the military, and, but it, it is, this, is, this crosses all generations, but in the military, you need to know the end state in order to know how to get there. Uh, and, and I think um, it, when we do not give that end state, then we're kind of like, okay, why are we doing what we're doing? Mm. So, George, let me ask you this. You, you, you and I went to, to um, Seventh-day Adventist High School together, uh, Forest Lake. Um, and I, don't, I feel bad, but I, I really sincerely do not know the answer to this question um, in, in its totality. But I, I do remember that we graduated in 19... Um, and, uh, <laughs> 91. <laughs> 91. And I remember that... Thank you for clarifying that, George. Thanks for that. <laughs> Got to watch these brothers. Uh, but there were there were 91 who graduated in our class. I, I do remember that. That was a, a unique uh, thing for us. Um, h- how many of those, whether it's cynicism or loyalty, the, the, the kind of thing that we're discussing, how many of those, what kind of percentage do you think are still committed to the mission uh, of 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 the Seventh-day Adventist church or just committed to to God, to Christ, period? And I feel wow. bad. I, like, I don't really know, but no, I'm just and, curious. And that's hard for, just to clarify, um, I only went to to uh, FLA my my senior year. Likewise, um, I, I, yeah. I had I had never gone to FLA. I had never gone to an Adventist school prior to that. I actually okay. went to public school all my life, except for my last year, senior uh, year. And <laughs> and my dad's like, I don't know why you're going your last year. I was like, I want to experience this. So I ended up having to pay for for me to go there. But oh, wow. that being said. Um, the people that I that I did connect well with, um, that I know of, I know I know we did a reunion back in uh, twenty year reunion, um, and there was there was not ninety one, person you know people there uh, in that reunion. And um, for those that were that in that reunion, I would say 
uh, I would say a, a, a big percentage of them are, are were committed to or or or, or attending. And this is the, the issue. I can't say they're committed to the mission because for some of us, um, it's not clear. <laughs> right? What the mission is. Uh, what the mission is. All right. Yeah. So. Uh, so how do you, you know, so, so, the, and that's, that's, an, that's another, that's another uh, issue in itself. I like, okay, if I ask you what the mission of the church is, and so what is it, you know, and so, and so a lot of them have different perspective of what the mission of, of, of the church is. So clarification of what truly is the mission of the church. Uh, there's, you can ask 20 pastors and they all give you a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and, and so that's part of it. And then the other part is, and I think is uh, those that have had children um, have come back. Uh, but we do have great leaders that I've, you know, one like uh, Juan Rodriguez, he graduated with us. He's mm -hmm. at the conference there. Um, and, and we have another other millennials that I that I went to school in Southern that are that are in conference uh, positions now. Um, and so and so there is that. But but the overall perspective, I, I think, um, yeah, the, the defining of that what what did what does that look like what does mission look like and how committed am i to that mission i think that's very murky okay but I, you know to answer that to, to to add to that because uh, i think all of us are gen x's and maybe this is the one show that we all can participate in but um you know um the there was a question that came up ed asked the question about how many of those yeah. of our gen x's who are who are not connect who are not working for the church are still engaged and a lot of the Gen Xs that I knew coming up um, they that don't work for the church they still come to church but they, it's very surfacey it's very superficial uh, they're not they're not there gun ho they're not really running for an office or, or participating in an office uh, they 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 come uh, most of that I know check off a list they they check off the mm -hmm. fact that they're keeping the Sabbath. I'm still coming to church. I'm I'm bringing my child to church. I'm making sure that my child gets uh, something from church. And this is pre-COVID. That's that's a whole that's another situation when you hit the COVID situation. But but there was a sense that loyalty of being connected to the organization kind of kept them um, at least following along. Still questioning. Still there, still remembering, still reminded um, every time they connected. You know, you remember Sister So-and-So, who was my mother's good friend, or, or Brother mm. So-and-So, my mother. Gen Xs kind of keep that relationship going. They, they keep that as part of, uh, of being connected to the church, not as engaged as we have been asking about how do they stay engaged. There are some, and I'm not going to say there aren't, but uh, most of them that I know are connected superficially. And do you do you find that? I, I mean, Marin, you might might be able to answer that more than anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know I'm thinking in my mind just even as the question was asked initially, um, and I'm struggling. And you know, I went to boarding academy too. I went to Pine Forge, and um, you know, recently we started uh, getting together with our class on Zoom when the pandemic hit. And as we, you know, my classmates. I mean, most of them are not really plugged in or committed, uh, I would say committed Seventh-day Adventists, although many of them, I would probably say, are believers, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think our generation, we grew up in an era where we saw, um, where we were disappointed in the 
the rigidity of Adventism, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and what happened with a lot of people is is they left they left uh, their home churches, right? And then, at least in my case, they went to Oakwood or they went to an Adventist University and they saw what I would describe as the best of what the possibilities of Adventism could look like in terms of worship, especially, right? That was a big thing for us, the expression of worship, doing it differently um, and, and using your talents and your gifts, changes of styles of music and things of that nature. And then when they leave Oakwood and they get into you know, their field or whatever, and then they now have to go and work in various cities and go to an actual church, right, of their choice. This is the first time in their life where they are making a choice for a church. Man, and honestly, as I see it in my little small perspective, if they didn't end up in a place like D.C. or if they didn't end up in Atlanta, if they didn't end up in, in some major city with what we would describe as a as a good church, right, then they would generally be discouraged by what they ended up uh, experiencing and then they would leave. And I, and I see that pattern sort of repeating itself. The difference is, is I think Xers would give the church a chance, right? And then, you know, based on their experience, you know, they would leave. But, but what they wouldn't do is they wouldn't go to another church, right? They wouldn't go to a Sunday church. They wouldn't really explore. That was, that's been my experience with Gen Xers. Millennials, on the other hand, like they have the courage. <laughs> they have the courage to not only leave, but to explore different beliefs, to attend different churches that are outside of Adventism, so to speak. So the, these are the experiences that I'm starting to see. And I think, you know, if the local church doesn't change right we're going to start seeing more of this repeated in the other generations but that was that's sort of my perspective gen xers finally came home on their own after they finished school and their churches were not ready to receive them because they were still the same churches unless they mm-hmm. went to uh you know a dc i know in our context uh, i think one church that did a great job at discipling gen uh, uh, gen x was uh um cpc where henry wright was uh, I mean, that and even to this day, you could see that that church has just recycled. Most of the leaders there are people that I grew up with. And there are other churches like that. But for the, by and large, there weren't a lot of Madison Mission probably was another example in Huntsville mm-hmm. because you had to literally start a church for Gen Xers. That's that's what Madison was. It was, a, it was a church for Gen Xers. Other than that, man, most people went out and they were really dis- discouraged by what they experienced and they left. Mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I think Hugh, Hugh David just. Good point in terms of uh, Gen Xers are connected to the church through their children, and I think I think mm-hmm. um, a sense of family, whether it's a single family or double family, really connected uh, connected Gen Xers to the church because of their children. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think Boomers have probably done some of the same things, where where they might not come to church, but they're sending their children to Sabbath school or sending mm-hmm. them to church school, and mm-hmm. they're not so much engaged themselves, but they have this something that makes them want to for their children to have some of their same experiences or connections to 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 God or to church that they did. I'm sorry, um, uh, George, go ahead. Yeah, I, and, and I there's another part of this, right? So, and I. Man, Myron hit it right on the head when when we talk about um, discipleship, right? So when you, when you're in, in churches that actually do discipleship, uh, that actually uh, have mentorship for younger generations, when you actually take the risk and put young people in leadership positions, I was just going down the uh, 
you know, down the road of memory lane with my wife. Um, and I said, how was it for us growing up and why did we become the leaders that we have been? Uh, and it was because at the age of 15, I was actually asked to be a leader at, in the church in a leadership position at the age of 15 in Connecticut. I don't know if it was because the pastor had five churches and they didn't have enough people to, to do so. But I remember at the age of 15 and at the age of 16, being director of the Pathfinders, which, by the way, I had no clue because I, I, I didn't even I wasn't even a Pathfinder. I was a medical cadet. But at the age of 12, I told my dad, I'm either going to join the junior Marines or join the medical cadets. And so he spoke to the medical cadets director and they put me as a mascot. But all to say that very early in my life, I, I was given the opportunity to take a leadership role. Um, and I think when we look at the structure, the, the platforms in which we do leadership in our church, it, it must not, it must change if we are going to be effective in allowing our young people to lead. And not only that, we only have like 10% of, of people that attend our church lead right, or in leadership position. There has to be a change in the way that we structure leadership. And it shouldn't be once a year at nominating committee. I don't know if you guys still do that because I've been in the army that long. But I don't. if that's the case, what we're doing is it, it's about who knows who, right, and how much reputation you have to Ouch. get that leadership. And so, so now we're fighting for or we're fighting against the whole entire thing is about, okay, now it's popularity. It's no longer about your spiritual gifts. It's no longer about discipleship. It's not about mentoring. Now it's about who knows who and why am I needing to beg in that position. And so now it becomes a power thing, right? So, so I, I think as a platform, as a, as a platform, we need to revisit that as a church and say, okay, how can we actually be spiritual based, right? Spiritual gifted leaders where we can actually, as people are integrated into our church, allow them to use their spiritual gift. Instead of having a 10% leadership overall, why not you know, flip that over and have 90% to a 10 ratio where those that are coming in are, are, are starting to get involved and then you, you get them involved in, into that. Uh, yeah. But that's a whole different um, you know, scenario that I'm, that I'm bringing up. But, but I think that that is effective as a Gen Xer that's, and as a pastor, that I, that's what I try to do when I was here in Miami. So, so mm. what do you guys think about this? This was, I thought, a powerful, uh, interesting comment here from Ed Dickerson. He says, we have stratified the church for 18 years or so. We tell people, tell young people, the church is not for you. We have special programs for you. And so by the age of 18, they get the message and they bounce. I'm sorry, and they leave. <laughs> that's your Gen X talking, yeah. right? Gen X. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a true. problem. I mean, Go ahead, Doc Mike. Yeah. No, no, no. I, no, I don't know how you can disagree with that. And honestly, I don't know if that's changed very much. I, I don't even know if that's just endemic to Generation X or if that's just the Period. cultural phenomenon of how we do modern church in Adventism. And, you know, I dare I say even outside of Adventism, um, you literally, as, as, as George pointed out, you literally have to flip church totally upside down on its head on how we do things in order for us to do that. So, I mean, yes, I, I think we saw that as Gen Xers, although we were involved in a lot. There was, uh, you know, yeah, Roger sitting here, you know, I grew up watching Roger as a leader in 
you know, and not realizing that he was as young as he was. Roger was a leader in just about everything, youth ministries, and I was coming as a kid. There's no doubt that he's doing it now, but he was doing everything, drum corps, pathfinders, uh, church basketball league. Uh, Roger Wade put people in the NBA. He, I'm serious. He had an NBA player. Somebody remember Steve what? Francis played what? for Roger Wade. Stevie? Who played for Roger Wade. Yes. Come on. Um, wow. but, you know, but, but you know what? I will say this. We had those extracurricular activities, but there wasn't a lot of discipleship taking place. There wasn't a lot of succession taking place. There wasn't a lot of empowerment taking place. Maybe some churches there were. I, I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to speak for the whole Adventist church because somebody's going to come for me. But by and large, we, we, I, I can't be wrong because of what Dickerson just said. It's true. All the numbers say, what do the numbers say? Seven out of 10. We saw this from the new gen, the new Genesis uh, study that was done for us, right? What new Genesis? That was done for Generation X, right? Value Genesis. Part two. Value Genesis. Value Genesis. Value Genesis. Yeah, yeah. And then in part two, yo, set was seven out of 10. And so Dickerson is on point. And I don't know what it's going to take in order to flip that. I'm struggling with that. I imagine other pastors are struggling with keeping young people because I think there's a paradigm that all of us have inherited that just doesn't work in terms of, you know, uh, not just keeping young people, but empowering them, as, as, as George said, uh, to labor. And I, let me just say one more thing. The churches that have done it generally are not existing churches. They're church plants, as I have seen, or they're or revitalized churches. Again, I'm going to harken back to these examples. I think of a miracle temple uh, when they were in Baltimore. Uh, that was a it was an existing church, but for the most part, it was a total revitalization. I think of CPC Henry Wright. He went to a, a church that existed, but for the most part, it was a total revitalization. Revitalization, and then I think of uh, you know Madison Mission, same concept, church plant, and literally everybody who was running the church, Dion, everybody. You mean were, these were these were young adults? I remember at Madison Mission, Eric Thomas was the AY leader. Joey Indeed. Kibble was preaching. Mason West was preaching. Like this, these were the people running the church. And now these people, uh, you know, are leading now. Your uh, Wayne Buckner's, you know, was the minister of music, Dr. Wayne Buckner now. Uh, and they grew into that. And one of the things I'll say is about Doggett, he's like he trusted people to fail. That's what we did mm. not see in our church. Wow. We didn't right, see a lot of right. that. Um, you know, he, he would literally let anybody preach. I mean, you remember we used to wait to hear a Doggett word. Doggett would preach <laughs> once a month, you know, but for the most part, yeah. he would allow uh others to 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 get in the pulpit and to do various things and to lead out and so um man i think i think i wish our generation had experienced more of that sadly we didn't and i think the numbers uh proved dickerson right Mm -hmm. hey can i get in here i'm I'm gonna give you oh go go ahead go ahead go ahead okay i'm when i heard uh dr edmonds speak here i'm gonna give you military terms now doc edmonds i know since since you're in the air force but mission command is a big thing for us in the military and mission command <laughs> means that you entrust to your subordinates the mission okay that you entrust mm-hmm. to your subordinates the mission all the way down to the private level we are now operating just to let you guys know at large-scale operations what we're looking at in the military is how do we operate in large-scale operations if we were to do a fight peer-to-peer with let's say russia or china how we're going to operate and it has to do and the army is big on this now on being able to give good mission command, which means I'm going to have to entrust that the youngest private, 18 years old, coming in, understands the mission to such a point that if my lines of communication are broken, 
he can still accomplish the mission. My Lord. Right? And that's what needs to happen in our church with our young people. They need to understand what is the mission, okay? And we need to entrust as leaders the, like <laughs> Dr. Uh, Byron said, to be able to say, okay, I'm going to entrust, even if you fail, I'm going to entrust in you the opportunity to be able to accomplish the mission. Give us the risk. Be, have that risk assessment. Say, hey, I, I can I can take that risk because I know that I want to build this soldier. And soldiers will fail, but guess what? There's some missions that cannot fail. <laughs> All right, but it's going to be on the leader to mentor, to train, and to continue to discipline this soldier to make sure that that soldier has all that he needs to be able to, hey, lines of communication are broken. I understand the mission. I'm going to accomplish it. Yeah. And you know what? Um, can I, can I piggy- very interesting conversation. Oh, go ahead, Dr. Dr. Um, no, I just wanted to piggyback, man. He brought military in there. And honestly, I mean, I'm, I've not been in as long as, as Lieutenant Colonel uh, 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 Torres here. But, you know, there, there's so much. One of the things I did learn is just in the military, man, the mission is the mission is everything. And, and training mm-hmm. is everything. And I think sometimes the assumption is you're looking, you think this is a bunch of, these are a bunch of young people, man. The military is full of kids. These are kids. <laughs> these are kids. They're maintaining planes, man. They're, 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 they're operating um, uh, drones. <clears throat> I mean, they, I mean, they, they, they're missileers in, in the Air Force. These are people who are responsible for nuclear warheads, man. These are, these are 20, 20 year old kids doing this stuff. And, and, and I, I only wanted to bring this up for this purpose. Uh, uh, Torres, who's on here right now, is a lieutenant colonel. This dude is a, a step away from a full bird colonel. In the Seventh-day Adventist Church, in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, he would not be respected. My Lord. In the same way he is respected Ooh, in the military God. for his credentials. Wow. My Lord. He would my not. Lord. He, he would not be respected for his credentials. And one of the things I've noticed, man, is this, look, man, they, if you are, if they consider you to be trained and prepared, and you know, of course, Torres knows it's all about training. Like it's all about training. It's all about training mm-hmm. and being mission ready and being mission ready. I, I just, I just wonder sometimes, for example, I had a young lady, she's millennial. Uh, well, no, she's Gen Xer. She, um, she's a, uh, she's an accountant uh, in finance. She runs, uh, she used to run a, a major accounts for Cleveland Clinic. Yo, they, she should have been treasurer of the church. She's managing accounts of 40 to $50 million. She should have been treasurer. I mean, listen, she can do church treasury in her sleep. She can mm. do it on her phone while she's managing Cleveland Clinic. But she would not be, they would not give her the opportunity because they said she was too mm. young. And see, like, Mercy. you know how the Bible talks about the wisdom of the world and, you know, how we can learn from the wisdom of the world. Like in the church, we are still light years behind in terms of recognizing that the future is now and that the best best opportunities for leadership we have in advancing the mission are, are young people. And everybody is doing that except the church. And it's, it's quite discouraging. Mm. Well, let me ask wow. you this. How, how, how are the Gen Xers that are in leadership now, how are they dealing with this this training training millennials training the the gen zers to take over mm-hmm. just from your preview how are we how are we dealing with it are we giving opportunity like doggett um how he just allowed people to just to run it or are we kind of reserved um in our leadership um abilities as we deal with our churches how do you feel about that i feel that we are that most of us have never been discipled and those of us who have just excuse my English got lucky, right? I, I don't mm-hmm. believe in luck, but you know understand what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. 
those of you who are sitting here at this table right now, you were fortunate because you had somebody to disciple you, lay a hand on you. Maybe you were an associate pastor or, or I don't, I don't know what, what your experience was, but I can promise you that if you are where you are right now, not because of yourself. What I've seen is we have a lot of, I'm talking about layman wise, we have a lot of people who have never been discipled by anybody. Mm. All they do is regurgitate things that they've heard. So no, they don't know the mission. No, they don't know what the gospel is. No, they don't really know what the essence of Adventism is. And so you got guys like Ty Gibson and, and others who are out there now trying to unlearn us from stuff that we had learned coming up. And whereas millennials now, they're just like, listen, I've already rejected that. I don't know what took you guys so long. Many of us are still trying to catch up to that because we've never really had anybody lay their hands on us, so to speak. So, no, we don't know how to disciple because we've not been discipled. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so, so for me, I, I, I think it's very important what, what uh, um, Dr. Evans is saying. Discipleship is the key. How do we do with discipleship is, is the key. I, I think we've so with the illustration of an ocean, I think we've learned how to walk on the seashores but never have been able to go deep into the ocean with God. So as deep calls to deep, God's calling to our deepest part of our soul. I think we've never learned how to do that. What we've learned has been facts in a sense. All right. So, the, mm. and, and, and it has to do in a sense of the way we've done evangelism. I've grew up in evangelism in a sense as, okay, you learn these 27, well, back then it was 27 fundamental beliefs and you're good. Mm. But the assumption is that I know how to read the Bible. The assumption is that I know <laughs> right, how to meditate right. on God's word. Wow. The assumption is that I do know mm -hmm. how to pray. The assumption is that I do mm -hmm. know how to hold myself accountable to another man or to a group of men. The assumption is that mm -hmm. I will make mm -hmm. all that I need to do for my spiritual di disciplines and learn them on my own. Wow. And so we have a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge, but we have then equated knowledge with spirituality. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that we have a lot of knowledgeable people, but not a lot of spiritual people preach and we hide right. behind pulpits we hide behind being able to speak well we hide behind having all the tools because we've learned them but we are not deep with god and that's mm. the issue we got to teach our children and we have to teach our, our people around us how do we get deep with god i'm not talking about just learning about like fundamental beliefs i'm talking about having a deep relation with god where god can come and slap you in the face and you know that's god that's slapping you and wow. so and, and wow. so until we have that relationship with God, uh, until we don't have that relationship Love with God, it. we're going to continue in this thing. And it doesn't matter what relation, what, what generation you are in. Yeah. We have not learned how to disciple people. We got to learn how to disciple people. But that, listen, not only, not only do knowing that God is the one slapping you, he's daring you to talk back because he wants you to have that relationship with him. Come on now. That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> right, right, right. So, 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 in essence, I, I think Pastor Paul, you were you were kind of leading down this this question here. Um, um, has has the thinking of Gen X skewed the way um, we see the mission, or, or has the has the mission been skewed in in our in our in the way we do things? Because as as it was brought out in the conversation here, maybe we're not doing it right. Maybe may, we we as Gen Xers are not seeing it the way. Uh, it is, or maybe the question is really this: Who's who? Who should have the responsibility in making sure that the the message is clear or the mission is clear? Is, is it us, or is, is, it, is it the generation before us? That Raj, I, Raj is. I like Raj. Where Raj is going? 
and I don't know if this is where he's going, but I wanted to, uh, I wanted to um, show me. I want show to, me. to jump show off me. on this point. Yeah. So um, here, for I'll just speak personally. The best thing that has happened to my personal spiritual development as a Seventh Day Adventist is when I understood the difference between traditional Adventism and and the gospel and a gospel centered Adventism. So most of us that are on here, we grew up um, with a lot of legalism, right? A le sort of a legalistic Adventism. And I'm not going to totally crush it, right? It, it definitely had its negatives, but it did teach us order. It did teach us, it, it taught us structure. Um, it taught us, uh, it, it, it taught us, I mean, I'm sure there are other positives. I can't think of any, but anyway, I'm sure there's some other positives. <laughs> but I think what, one of the, the, the harm that it did is it left us with nothing when we failed, right? All of us mm -hmm. were going to fail at some point in our lives. All of us were going to sin and mess up big time and make bad uh, mistakes. The problem is the gospel that we had or the pseudo gospel that we heard coming up mm. didn't leave a lot of hope for us after we failed. Now we started digging. What happened is what, for many of us, you know what happened for many of us, at least right here, we went to seminary. We went to seminary and we started hearing, and people don't realize this, the seminary is intellectually progressive, right? So when we got to the seminary, we started hearing about the gospel as it relates to the book of Revelation. We started seeing the three angels message differently. Like we started learning about Ellen White from a different perspective, hearing yeah. quotes we never heard before, hearing experiences about early Adventism that was not exposed to us. We only knew one version of Adventism, and I'm just speaking for us that's sitting here. We went to seminary, and then for me, I don't know if it was the same for you. My mind was like, oh, my goodness. I didn't know mm -hmm. that that Adventism could be this good. I didn't know that that the gospel was this good, right? And so, however, though, we experienced that. Then we, in turn, we went back to churches, and we tried to share this stuff. And we started <laughs> getting rejected. <Yeah. laughs> Folks started fighting this stuff. They started fighting righteousness by faith. Literally, folks start fighting righteousness by faith. We're preaching the gospel. We're preaching the whole, what we would call the whole gospel, right? And people are fighting it. And I have seen, I don't know about your experience, I have literally seen Gen Xers struggle with the gospel because it goes against everything that they were taught when they grow up, that you have to be good in order for God to love you, that in order for to be blessed mm. and not mm -hmm. cursed, you had to mm -hmm. live this way and you had to do this. And if you do this, this like this notion that God loves you independent of behavior literally was it was it, 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 it was so hard for them to believe that they almost pushed back and rejected it. They literally mm -hmm. fall back to the old way because they are so entrenched and ingrained in it. If that makes sense. Does that make any sense? That, that's mm -hmm. been my mm -hmm. experience. Mm. And that's a generational thing, too, when it comes to like, like for the Hispanics. I come from a Hispanic background, so a lot of the Hispanics are Catholics, right? And so the way we, the way my parents learned about the Adventist truth was the bashing of that faith. So, um, so when they when they accepted that faith, they accepted the faith because they felt betrayed by the faith that they had grown in. And so you have a lot of Hispanics, and I'm talking about just Hispanics, where they fundamentally have in their mind the Adventist mindset, but in their lifestyle, a very Catholic, uh, a Catholic um, way of doing life. So for, for my dad, for instance, for my dad to 
righteous by faith, then I, I don't I cannot add anything to what God has done for me. No, no, I have to do something in order to be saved. No, no, dad, you don't have to. No, no, I have to do something. God requires me to do something. And so that whole entire mentality is it, it, it's about works, right? So um, that that's how I grew up. And, and literally, I did not hear a message of righteousness by faith in the Spanish church until I moved to Florida. Wow. When I moved to Florida, I heard Pastor de los Rios for the first time preach righteousness by faith where I understood it. And I was blown away by it. I was like, wow, this is how the gospel truly is. But then I had to reject, mm -hmm. in a sense, reject everything that I grew up with. Like, no mm -hmm. joke, 19 mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. of, of my Adventism in the North uh, because mm -hmm. this was a new idea. I go to the North now and I try to preach the same thing and I get the same rejection. It, it's kind of like, mm. <laughs> it's, it's kind of mm. like, hey, uh, you, <laughs> you don't want to be saved the way God intended to be saved, <laughs> which is, it's all about God. It's not about me. It's all accepting God's grace and mercy. But it's it, it's kind of like a concept that I need to do something in order to to, to be saved. So, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my heart yeah. breaks, actually, because I just think there has been there's this caricature of Adventism that has been presented, but it's not Adventism. And I know everybody feels that they have their version, but the extremes of Adventism seem to be getting all the traction. I, I dare I dare each one of you see who's getting most of the views on on YouTube. It's not the gospel. It's that extreme stuff. It's that stuff mm -hmm. that, uh, that 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 George is talking about is hard for people to to uh, to give up. Literally, man, you the, the same experience that Paul had when he would go and share the gospel with the Jews and they would straight up want to kill him. I'm seeing this happen in our churches. I'm seeing Gen Xers push against this. They've never had a Bible study on this. They've never been exposed to it. They didn't go to seminary like you guys and sit under Pauline and and sit under uh, you know uh, Dick uh, uh, Davidson and you know and and Dukan and all these guys and Hans Lorandel and and all these folks opening up our minds to the truth and George Knight. You share this stuff with them and they begin to reject it. I think that that there is a need for a re-education, a re-discipling of this generation. And I, I, it's, it's going to be I think it's an uphill battle, but I think it's a necessary battle because there's no way we can call people out of Babylon if we're in Laodicea. Like, how, what are we going to call? We're going to call them into Laodicea, come out of Babylon and then come in, come into Laodicea where it's all about legalism and works and so forth. Something's got to happen. You know, early, early in the in the um, program, there was a lot of in the comments where people were identifying Gen X as one of the more educated, um, well-read uh, generations, um, at least prior to the others. And, and 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 I think one of that, obviously, there's not a monolith, as, as was mentioned before. Right. But if you're dealing with people who are analytical um, and, and are generationally analytical, um, so you go to scripture and you find a text like um, um, where Paul is talking to the Galatians and he says um, that we're not saved by, by, by works, that works profits nothing, um, uh, that we're not justified by our works. I think that's the term that he uses in Galatians. But then you read in Romans where he says uh, that not the hearers of the, the word will be just before God, but the doers of the law will be just before God. And so you have this generation who's looking at that and they're saying, it's not Ellen White. It's not the church. This stuff is in scripture itself where one says one thing over here and then Paul says another thing on the other side. Um, 
if this generation is that analytical where they're grappling with contradictions what they or what appear to be contradictions in spirit of prophecy where they're saying Ellen White is contradicting scripture or, or, or examples like that where it seems like Paul also says that circumcision profits nothing in one place but in another place he says circumcision is everything um, and it's like you know, wait a minute what what's the how how does it is that a generational thing is that a people thing of how we grapple with how, how we grapple with contradictions that we see in church whether it's in things like scripture whether it's in things like spirit of prophecy whether it's in things like behavior among people in the church how do we deal with contradictions or apparent contradictions so for me for instance when when it comes to scripture and and learning Right, it's I, I'm big on men's ministries, right? So I I have a, a, a men's group, thirteen strong, okay, and and we're a close group because we we decided to do twenty years together, right? And so part of it is doing life together. I, I think a lot of it has to do with understanding each other deep in life, and then being able to go to scripture, having that that relationship that you've built together and learning together, right? So accountability is a big part of it um of of learning and but but learning together as a as a as a community of believers but it has to be done so so for me it's not about just being analytical right it has to be done about being part of a group and a a community of believers that you can actually grow together in the word of god um and so we, we do live together uh, eight o'clock in the morning tomorrow morning i will be meeting with my, my men's group we're going through the book of first peter um we're in the session number six we'll end with that uh but part of that and i tell a lot of it's not doing another sabbath school right it's not about doing another sabbath school part our first thing that we do for about an hour is check-in and in our check-in we do you know what are and by the way most of all of our guys except one, which is my, my son, who's a millennial, we're all Gen Xers, right? And so what we talk about in that check-in is, you know, how, how are you doing mentally? How are you doing spiritually? How are you doing physically? And how are you doing emotionally, right? And in that check-in, it's like everybody's mask is off, all right? It's not, hey, I'm going to tell you what I want you to hear. We go deep into what is going on in your life just this past week. And after doing that, then we can enter into our Bible study, mask off, grow deep into God's word and talk about issues. And I'm pretty sure, um, um, Anselm, that if, that if we had issues that come up, hey, let's talk about this verse, that we would be able to, to tackle that verse together as a group and grow together in, in that way. But I think that the, the function of that small group is, is how are we doing life together? How are we actually building community? Because when, when I think about churches today, I don't see community happening. Uh, the guy that actually started that small group with me was a former uh, felon that, that spent 10 years in jail. Um, he came to the church, and that's where I met him. And after we met afterwards for, for lunch, and he told me, hey, I had more community in jail than I did this Sabbath at church. And, and my, 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 answer, my answer to that is, okay, so what are we going to do different? What are we going to do about it? Wow. You're telling me this, but what are we going to do about it? Let's do a men's group. And, and, and listen, I did not go to the pastor to say, hey, we're going to start a men's group. I'm a chaplain. I can start a men's group wherever I want, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, uh, we started a men's group. 
All right, and and and, and that's the thing. I, I've actually gone to churches and they said, well, we have to we have to present it to the board. I was like, why? We're trying to do community here. Why why would I have to go before a board for you to give me permission to be able to speak life and then have them speak life into me? And so the issue is that we don't. A lot of times we don't have people speaking life into us, right? And, and so part of mentorship is who is speaking life into you and who are you speaking life to, right? And so if we're just a reservoir collecting information and yet that information is not spit out to, to others and, and we're not engaging others with it, then, then what are we doing? We're just playing church. And so part of community for me and growing is being able to say, hey, listen, let's speak life into one another and let's go deep, not not walking in that seashore. Let's go deep with one another in our life and let's commune in God's word and let God be the one to teach us his ways. Powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Ditto, 100%. Wow. I think because we do programs well. And, you know, and uh, that's one of the things I'm finding. Um, and anybody that grew up in the era that we grew up in as a Gen Xer, if you ask them about ministry, their reference point are programs. Like they, that's what I've discovered. And I could be wrong. They, they don't even know how to think outside of let's have a mm. men's day. If you ask them what men's ministry, but men's day, or, or let's have a women's day, let's have a women's prayer breakfast or, or men's prayer breakfast. It's, I've struggled. I have Gen Xers in my church who are trying to come out of what they came, what they came up under. But it's so mm -hmm. difficult that they don't even know how to how to think outside of that frame of reference as as as, as what uh, uh, what Torres is saying right now. He's saying, listen, man, there should be a more organic, natural look for what ministry can be. But all they know is, is whatever we do, it has to happen at the church. It has to happen on Sabbath. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, and, and that's where ministry <laughs> takes place. But I think again, and I don't, and for the not to be redundant, but I think repetition deepens the impression. I think because we have a total disconnect on the mission, on the utter mission of the church, mm. and I think if we were clear on the mission, there would be a whole lot more doing life and in community and building relationships and things of that nature. But if we think our our mission is to know information so that we are not deceived, honestly, for many Adventists, they think. Know the truth so that you are not deceived. That's why we have it. We have the truth mm -hmm. so we're not deceived. Deception <laughs> is coming. That's why we possess this. And this will keep us from not being deceived. But we don't realize that deception can happen by protecting the truth. That's what happened to, mm. the, to, the, uh, to, the, to the Pharisees. But, but this, the way that deception doesn't happen is by uh, presenting the truth and sharing the truth and, and living the truth and experiencing it. But I found Generation X really struggles with doing that. They know how to do programs. They don't know how mm -hmm. to do this yeah. organic, let's do, even, even the phrase, let's do life. Uh, the average Generation X has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. Even wow. though, that, that, wow. doesn't somebody say that, that Adam was not deceived? <laughs> that he knew? <laughs> I mean, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how we got here in the first place. <laughs> so, with, so with this generation here, talking about the generation and i like uh, the comments that were made especially on this chat i mean we're getting comments back and forth um but just doing life together trying to to re-educate ourselves on the true mission of the church you know we were raised in a generation we were raised uh, where we did church all day all day long and so 
uh, coming out of that and saying, okay, you know what? I could do church on Tuesday. I could do some uh, mission stuff on, on Thursday. And, and, and guess what? I don't have to be in the building to do church even when I can be in the building, right? So, so just this different mindset that we, were, uh, that we grew up under. But now as we look at our generation and we're trying to engage them, right? We're trying to engage everyone. Um, what If you could change two things about the current engagement strategies for Generation Xers that might motivate or inspire greater commitment to the mission of the church, what would they be? I'd say family. Gonna... I think, okay. yeah, Gen, Gen X, Gen X right now is ra they're raising families. They're raising, they're raising kids. I think our, 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 our rules of engagement our courses of action need to be in improving the family, adding value to their lives and not simply just trying to get them to add value to us. Um, that's what you guys are doing right now. You're adding value. I think the mindset, and this is the sort of the mindset that our, our church is taking this year, like how are we going to add value to people's lives? We're not asking them for anything. There's a book by Jeff Henderson and, uh, and it's entitled Four, Know What You're For. And his whole argument is instead of us trying to be fans of the community, trying to get the community to be fans of us, we need to be fans of the community. Wow. Yeah. I think in like manner, I think Gen Xers or anybody, it applies to anybody, they need to see that we are for them, that, that, that we are adding value to you. We're not asking you for anything. We're not saying come to church and come worship and, and come to the revival and come to the evangelistic meeting. No, we're finding ways to add value to their lives. Most of them are raising families right now. They're struggling like crazy because they don't know how to manage technology. They gave all their kids laptops, iPads, and smartphones, and it's ruining their lives. Kids are addicted to porn at seven and eight years old. They don't know how to manage it. They don't know what to do. They're interested in therapy, but they don't know how to go about it. See, there's so much value we can add on a family level, but I think the mindset should be, Let's go, let's go out and let's find ways to add value. And if we add value, then they will become fans of us and then they will be champions of the church. But I think too often we flipped it and we're more or less trying to get them to add value to us when it should be the opposite. Good, mm. good, good, good. So for me, um, I would say family is, is, is so important. I actually was talking to um, generation z guys this this morning and um and and i was talking to them about the platforms that we've used as a church is is, is pathfinder still relevant um and if it is what what is it that is meaningful and and from my conversation with them this morning what i what i heard is um it is when mentorship is done correctly and when leaders lead right mm. all right so th and that that was a perspective for them um now I would say so. So this is this is something that we're dealing with in the military right now. We're trying and, and we're 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 doing a pilot program. Uh, 18th Airborne Corps, Fort Bragg is actually going to be the first one from the Chief of Chaplain's Office, where we're actually looking at the science of spirituality and how we're going to integrate spirituality into our military, uh, because we know that it is part of what God made us to be. But how do we integrate spirituality? Lisa Miller, who is a uh, a psychologist and she teaches in Columbia University and in, in New York. She's the one that's going to be one of our, our instructors. But one of the things I, I did take a class uh, or a presentation with her. And one of the things that she brought out was that this generation, and I'm talking about the ones that are, are coming up after the uh, generation 
X and millennials and, and such that has to do with, with technology, um, they notice that they actually scientifically can put, uh, you know, things in the, in the people's head and actually scientifically measure neuro neurologically see that there's there's things that are pinning on people's head when there's spirituality going on. So if somebody's in a spiritual sense, like IE praying, they can see those those lights coming on. Um, and it's interesting because when somebody enters into the room of somebody who's actually and they see somebody in that state of spirituality, their sensors goes off. All to say is this. This is the interesting part. And it was saddening. She said, we see that in the older generation. We see that in some of our generation, the boomers, but we are not seeing that in the millennials and Generation Z. Those lights mm -hmm. are not lighting up. And the question was asked, why aren't they lighting up? She said, because in order for that to happen, there needs to be a sacred space to happen. And because of this, <laughs> see this? Because of this, our young people are not spending quiet time. They're, their minds are actually engaged 24-7 to the point that they go to sleep with their phones to the point where they're actually just there at their phones and they're not allowing yeah. their minds to actually be still when that verse says be still know that i'm god they're not allowing their minds to be still and experience the deep levels of communion with god so it goes beyond what we're trying to do and so in the military we have a lot of these generations and we have a, i mean we have all generations pretty much except for i guess the older older generations of world war ii but we have those generations generation x by the way in our in our military we are now the lieutenant colonels and colonels right so leadership in our military has gone to that and we're thinking though outside the box and so we're thinking of ways to actually connect with these younger generations so part of it is figuring out you know what platforms are we going to need in other words what 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 platforms that we have today that we just need to just get away with I mean, or, or take away and say that is no longer working? And what can we do outside the box that the Holy Spirit can lead us into to say, okay, these are the ways that we're going to be able to connect. And so for me, I think mentorship and discipleship have to be key if we're going to allow this generation to move forward. If, if we don't mentor and if we don't disciple, we're just going to be a generation that goes by and without without any change in, in itself we're, we're just going to be a dying generation and if you look at our churches i've been to many churches i'm a military so i go to different if you look at our churches our churches are depleted by younger generations all right and that's the issue that i have as a chaplain because i'm trying to bring my my family to a church where they can actually connect with young people and guess what they're no longer there not there wow wow well listen i i don't know about you um this show was really enlightening on taking a deeper look on Gen Xers and how we navigate in leadership, how we need to engage our, our people, and also uh, some things that will uh, engage us as we continue to do leadership in the church. So I want to thank you, Lieutenant Colonel George Torrent. Listen, it, it's hey, been great meeting wow. you, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> and, Amen. And Dr. It's been great Myron Edmonds. Man, listen, uh, just appreciate uh, just the wisdom that both of y'all have shared during this show. Look, That's right. what's on the table next week, y'all? What's on the table? I want to know. Ooh. Well, listen, we have had we have had a watershed of excitement for the Generation Series. And in trying to 
to gather all the generations together. We've had some scheduling issues, but uh, next week we're going to just shift a little bit and uh, we want to talk a little bit about our health message. Uh, we have entitled the show, I Want to Be Blue. <laughs> I want to be blue. Our blue zone. In our communities, part of that being the blue zone, yes. So we yeah. we're looking forward to uh, next week. One of our uh, we had a guest on before. He's coming back to share with us what's what his church is doing in engagement. We all know him. We all love him. Uh, we went to school with him, Dr. Carlton Bird. He'll be with us. We're also going to have with us Dr. Angelina Brower, who is the NAD Health That's Ministry right. Director. So we 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 we're, we're going to be jumping into uh, wanting to be blue, wanting to be blue. All right, that sounds good. Hey, listen, Pastor Paul, we got a new start time coming up. It's coming up That's shortly. Right. Can you tell it's us a little bit about that? New start time. We know all around North America right now, those of you that are in time, uh, what do we call that? Daylight savings is going to be hitting us pretty quick here. So on the very first week in November, we're going to be moving. Don't cry. Don't scream too hard. But we're going to be moving <laughs> the time for Pastors Roundtable from 4 p.m. Eastern time up to 3 p.m. Eastern time. We hope that that makes that a little bit more convenient for many of you who are leaving here and going into whether it's virtual or real going to ay uh, programs or what have you so not next week but just want to give you a heads up that on the first week in november i believe that's the 7th of november the start november. time will be at 3 p.m listen we yeah, want to thank you all oh go ahead yeah, go ahead to remind those uh I, I understand it was in the group not in the page for our our logo uh to come by and check and see which one you like we want to get your input on it so go by the group if you are in the group if you want to uh you need to join the group uh in order to uh to be able to, to make that choice plus we are going next week we're going to actually have uh in the group an opportunity for someone to win something. We've been talking about it. So next week is our last week in October, and we promise that we are going to give away. We're going to have a giveaway to those who are members of the group. So you got to be in the group in order to be a part of that opportunity to gain something, to be resourced for ministry. Yeah. Listen, be in the group, in the group, in the group. <laughs> All right. So everybody, again, thank you so much for joining us this week. If you missed it, you can make if you missed the, the beginning of it, you can always go back and watch it both on Facebook or on YouTube. Take that link, share it with somebody. Um, we, we work really hard. And again, thank you to uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, George Torres. Um, George, we want you to know and to send send our regards to those men and, and, and women that you deal with and work with yes. every day. We are honored to be served like men um, like you. And uh, thank you so much for your service. May God bless you and protect you. For the rest of you, we thank you for joining us today here at the Pastors Roundtable, where it is our aim to help keep everything relevant, resourced, and real. <laughs> Take right. care, everybody.